Welcome to Trust Company Talks with Bill Noble and Burke Coons. Good morning, and welcome to Trust Company Talks with Bill Noble and Burke Coons. Good morning, Bill. Burke, how are you this morning, I'm sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing outstanding. Excellent. Well, we are joined today by a very special guest, Chris Sawin, who is president and CEO of the Outer Banks Community Foundation. Chris, welcome. Thank you for having me. I, I, I'm, I feel very flattered that you asked me to join you this morning. Well, well, we're really glad you're here. We're very excited to have you, Chris. You know, I always like traveling down to where you are because it's so much fun for us, but it's great to have you come up to Raleigh. Well, it's we probably pass each other on the highway yeah. because whenever <laughs> whenever we get a, a, a little break in the action, we like to come up to the triangle. Uh, well, we're here today to talk about all things community foundation oriented and the kind of the current state of what's going on in the local scene and uh, and what's going on with you guys. So, um, why don't you talk about? We can start off talking about just how you define a community foundation as it relates to what you guys do and uh, and your kind of thoughts on a macro level about what's going on, uh, you know, in the space. Well, I, I have had a, a, a decent uh, length of history working in the nonprofit sector, um, but I started at Outer Banks Community Foundation in 2021. So uh, this has not been a lifelong experience for me. So in, in some ways, I'm, I'm new um, to the community foundation world, not new to the Outer Banks. Uh, my folks moved down there when I was 10, but one of the uh, one of the cornerstones, I think, of what makes a community foundation is the fact that its governance is uh, is based on a geographic community. Uh, we just came back, our whole staff just came back from the North Carolina Grant Makers uh, uh, Conference in Winston-Salem that was in uh, – uh, late February, early March. And so we were surrounded by all types of foundations, private foundations, mm -hmm. uh, uh, family foundations. Golden Leaf was there, so that's sort of a, mm -hmm. uh, a quasi-public foundation. Mm -hmm. And it was great for us to see the different styles, the different concerns that each one has. But for a community foundation, and I, I believe there's something in the magnitude of 700 in the United States, uh, you're really concerned with the health of a geographic region. And for us, our uh, we've been around for 40 years. Our board of directors has, uh, in the past – had to define that geographic region um, just to know what our mission is. And they've defined it as all of Dare County, which includes some inland areas, Mans Harbor, uh, Stumpy Point, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Roanoke Island, uh, and, and the Currituck County beaches, Corolla and Corova, and also Ocracoke Island, which is in Hyde County. So um, it is like this long string of pearls, you know, that, yeah. that that starts at the Virginia border and goes all the way down to Ocracoke, uh, which presents a challenge. It's it's a really Larger, really yeah. uh, wide geographic region. Most of it's water. Um, Very unique, as really as anywhere in the United States geographically. I think about it. You know, okay. I've got, I got a I have a, a really good friend uh, who has become a a, a a great friend of the organization, uh, who is an expert on not only the Wright brothers but also the geography of the Outer Banks, and um, he's told me over and over that it's not just unique in the United States; it's unique in the world. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. uh, geographically, there's really not a comparable place that is this barrier island uh, system that's that far removed from uh, from the mainland that is not anchored by coral. Mm -hmm. There's it really is just in, entirely unique, but. As you can imagine, having that sort of isolation has created a unique character of the Absolutely. people as well. Yeah, no question. Well, and not only that, but you know, there are needs that are probably going to be unique to the region. And I think it speaks it's a perfect lead into kind of what we want to talk about is like, what are, you know, what is the role of a community foundation, you know, in, in any region, but in particularly, in particular, the region like the one you just described. Yeah, I, I think it, generally community foundations tend to have a lot of common attributes. We are grant makers, and that's that. I think it, I think it, that that's sort of the the cornerstone of our DNA is that we make grants to charitable organizations in order for them to fulfill promising opportunities and unmet needs. Uh, uh, you know, there's all sorts of support that comes from every corner of our economy. Uh, but grant making is its own special discipline. Mm -hmm. uh, we almost all of us, I think, do scholarships. And this time of year, it's especially exciting. We just finished uh, last week interviewing uh, students. We will probably be awarding uh, around $200,000 to local students uh, starting later this month which is always, you know, one of the funner parts of the job. Uh, and um, uh, by and large, uh, there's no exception for community foundations in terms of their role as stewards of uh, philanthropic interests of our donors. And in, in some ways, I think that's the most important thing that we do. And certainly the thing that I get the, uh, the most enjoyment of is working with people who have found themselves in a position that they can make a difference. They yeah. can make an impact and helping them find the causes that they believe in. Uh, in addition to that, there's one that's, there's another attribute of what we do that's, I don't think it's, it's not unique. But it's certainly uh, endemic to North uh, to the Outer Banks, and that is disaster relief. Mm -hmm. uh, during Hurricane Dorian, uh, which hit Ocracoke Island and Hatteras Island really hard, uh, our organization uh, took in uh, about a million and a half dollars and got it out of our bank accounts as quickly as possible to three trusted partners who actually did the casework. <clears throat> Uh, so that's another aspect of what we do that is really important. And then the last thing I think that, that really makes us who we are is we have ongoing nonprofit support. So we'll do seminars. Uh, we'll do gatherings with our friends in the nonprofit world, um, help them with uh, grant applications. Um, last year was really cool. We, uh, we set aside grant money for three years in a row in order to pay for 23 nonprofit professionals on the Outer Banks to take the Duke University nonprofit management training course, hmm. which was terrific. So those are sort of the five things that yeah. we do, grant-making, scholarships, in our case, disaster relief, support of, uh, of the nonprofit sector, and, and being the stewards of our donors' uh, uh, philanthropic dollars. Yeah, that's, that's well put. I, Chris, I was thinking about I've, – I've been involved with your foundation for quite some time, and it's right at 20 years now. It's hard to believe. Yep. And um, y'all have such a unique history that um, 
there are community foundations all over the state of North Carolina, but y'all's is a bit unique in that you have you had a a movie star was one of your founders along with Mr. Sticks and 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 you know I, because I I have I will go ahead I, I will it's near and dear to my heart because my family has a place at uh at the Outer Banks at Nagshead and so I've gotten to know several of your board members and several of your 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 people who just participated and helped with with the Outer Banks Community Foundation and um, tell them a little bit about your history though. I think it's kind of interesting uh, the founders and where how long the foundation's been in existence and how much you've grown and, yeah and how you've done that well I, I I agree we have kind of a cool origin story um, the uh, the the individual who was really responsible for getting the Outer Banks Community Foundation off the ground what's David Stick David Stick right um, whose father Frank Stick uh, uh, is probably still one of the the most celebrated, if not the most celebrated, uh, painters and artists uh, who made the Outer Banks their home. Uh, Frank Stick's work appeared in his day in the you know, major publications, Field and Stream, uh, Saturday Evening Post, right. uh, and and his watercolors are just unbelievable. Uh, in my previous job, I was the executive director of Dare County Arts Council. And every year, I think it's in its 45th year now, is the Frank Stick Memorial Art Show. So the Stick family uh, have been instrumental for over a century uh, in shaping the history of the Outer Banks. They were also very involved in um, setting aside Cape, uh, the, the land that is now the Cape Hatteras National Seashore, huh. uh, which if you, can, if you can imagine how valuable that property would have been to developers, just that that uh action by itself really shaped the character of the Outer Banks. Because you can go from South Nags Head to uh, Rodanthe, and it is pristine yeah. nature. Yeah. So, um, he was a visionary. He was a visionary. Yeah. yeah, and did every, you know did all yeah. sorts of stuff. Right, uh, helped right. found Southern Shores as a, as a municipality. So David Stick's idea, and I think he was also one of the people who regularly looked outside of Dare County, which is you know, I grew up there, and it was very isolated at the time. Yeah. Bringing in the best new ideas from from the outside world, so he he had learned all of the ins and outs about what a community foundation ought to be, and he organized a group of local leaders, uh, which included Andy Griffith. Yeah, which was who, always interesting. Yeah, well, Andy Griffith was a cast member of the Lost Colony. Yeah, so he had a special connection to the Outer Banks. Uh, he, I think, his primary home um, was in Hollywood. But he uh, had uh, a place on Roanoke Island. Mm-hmm. His uh, his wife still owns the property, and it's still really well maintained. Um, but he called up Andy Griffith. He called up a, a handful of other gentlemen um, uh, and said, um, if I invited you to be part of something, but I didn't tell you what it is, would you show up for an initial meeting? And so, so David Stick had a little suspense, you know, <laughs> he, he had a, a flair for the dramatic and everybody of course said yes, because his reputation was, was sterling. Um, and so they had a, they had a press conference, which on the Outer Banks, like right. no, no one has a press conference. <laughs> so they had a press conference on, um, uh, at the, uh, aquarium on Roanoke Island, and they announced the formation of the Outer Banks Community Foundation. And in the early days, it was very business-based. There were um, teams for each region because, you know, 
we are very uh, segmented because we have different municipalities and we're strung out over this long, you know, 60, 70 mile uh, string of islands. Um, and so each team would go to businesses in, you know, Nags Head, the northern beaches, and another team would reach out to Hatteras and another team would reach out to Roanoke Island. We made our first uh, scholarship award. Uh, in 1983 or 1984, our first grant was to Outer Banks Hotline to establish a uh, 800 number for Hatteras Island because if you were a victim of domestic violence, then you had to pay long distance to make a call to get help. Oh wow! Uh, and that's how it started, and it's just grown and grown and grown to the point where last year we celebrated our 40th anniversary and um, paid homage to. All of the founders, there's seven, seven gentlemen that, that founded the organization. But David Stick was uh, the leader, and Andy Griffith was the star power. Yeah, I, the thing that was always stood out to me when I would – we've worked with your organization for quite some time, and the commitment of your local board members, and um, you have done a great job from, from my perspective, from what we do – we have multiple clients that are in your space, but uh, their commitment to the community and like at your annual meeting, I've, I've gone to several of your annual meetings. That's like a, y'all have it's a huge event, and and I, I love the fact that y'all would bring back. You, you talked about scholarships, and I was thinking about how I love the fact that y'all would bring back kids that you've given scholarships to, and you know make them give you an update. Of mm-hmm. what they're doing now and how they're how they've used the funds that you your organization gave them and gave them an opportunity to to leave the outer banks and go to some great school and come back and do great things and I've always thought that was really special because I've been to other groups that don't don't do things like that and I thought it was you can see the the pride of ownership that the people are there um you can just really sense take, it. Sure. yeah yeah for sure well there's so many stories. Yeah, that that spin out of the generosity of our donors. You know, it's just uh, like you said. We typically will will bring back scholarship students, and you know, they're they're in every profession and succeeding in yeah. huge ways. We even brought uh, we worked with a, a, a young woman named Katie Spore, who was a 2017 graduate of uh, First Flight High School. Went to the North Carolina. School uh, State School of Art and Design. She's now working for a product uh, 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 company, uh, package good product company in Brooklyn, uh, doing graphic design and other types of design. And we called her up and she designed a new logo for us for our 40th oh, anniversary. Cool. <laughs> and, and it was cool. She's just yeah. a, a real talent. And yeah. But yeah, we, this year we brought a couple of our, our most important uh, grantees to our annual meeting. Um, but you're right. We've gotten a, a wonderful collection of civic leaders to be on our board. My first, literally first call when I took the job was to Edward Green, one of the founders, um, who since passed. Uh, he and I worked together when I was at Dare Arts. Uh, he had started a, a, a art festival called the New World Festival of the Arts, and he taught. He, he kind of handed it off to me because he he lived. Uh, to be 98, I believe. So when he was in his early 90s, he had he had um, sort of uh, handed the baton to me to manage this uh, this art show, and I'd gotten to know him very well, and um, he meant a lot to me. Uh, and he said the he said the one thing he said that really stuck 
with me was the thing that impressed him the most about Outer Banks Community Foundation was that they got the cream of the crop in terms of business leaders mm -hmm. to not only be part of the board leadership, but to leave their agendas at the door, mm -hmm. which is uh, – it was that extra part of that sentence that yeah. really made it resonate. That and and I, I you know, our our board is incredibly talented, very they diversified could, too. They could do anything, and they yeah. chose to to uh, donate a a big portion of their time, talent, and treasure to helping make the community better. Yeah, no question. So over that forty year that forty year arc, and I know you haven't been there for forty years. Um, Noble's been a part of it for twenty years. Yeah, but yeah, but, uh, totally. but but you know, I feel like that as foundations grow, there's this sort of there's this period before they can really begin to flourish. And if if you can, you know, talk about you know the growth of the foundation and when you really began. When you, I think. Looking at the record, you know, when did it really begin to come into its own? Like, how did it how did it evolve from just uh, making individual gifts to something where you could, you know, have an endowment or have a uh, have a corpus and and um, and begin to, you know, have a give you the opportunity to make impactful right. gifts and all that. Yeah, that does help. That'd be I mean, I, I, it's it's uh, you know, uh, I think kind of the obvious answer. It's bequests. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think I think that. Um, it's something that I took for granted when I was uh, uh, working with my predecessor, Lorelai Costa. Um, they did some seminars of teaching different nonprofits to talk about bequests. But during the period from about 1995 to about, I want to say about 2010, um, which is the, the sort of the center of our organization's history, uh, there were a number of very important bequests that really, uh, you know, took us from zero to 60, uh, uh, took us from a, uh, you know, a, an organization that had high, high hopes, great intentions. But, you know, after, after we established uh, a, a corpus that was large enough to really be substantial mm -hmm. in terms of grant making and scholarships, um, you know, we had, we had uh, some, a little more power. Uh, and, and it, it is, a big part of my job to talk to people about that yeah. uh, and let them know how simple it is. I mean, you can, you know, for me, it was as simple as picking up the phone and calling my broker and saying, let's just reconfigure my beneficiaries mm -hmm. a little bit. And, and I know eventually it'll be, you know, making modifications to my, my will, mm -hmm. but um, there's just no replacing it. it. It's the easiest way to give. Uh, and and so the the bequests uh, have made a, a big difference. I think that also um, the um, explosion of the donor advised fund hmm. uh, right. format uh, and and you know it's I, I've, you know banks offer them now. You know there's commercial donor advised funds, but I think that really helped a lot too. Just putting the power of philanthropy into the hands of the donor. Yes. Um, it's um, it, it was an important innovation uh, in philanthropy. I'm certain it you know it existed in some form well, well before this you know the beginning of this century. But I think it's really taken off, and that's you know that's really a, an appealing thing. I, I talk to uh, donors all the time, and and it's it's an easy explanation. Mm -hmm. You've got a checking account. 
You have probably a savings account. You probably may have a brokerage account. You may have a credit card account. You can maybe have one for your kids. This is your philanthropic account. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a great way for people to get started because you don't have to be a Rockefeller to start your own charitable mm -hmm. fund. Um, and um, you can control it. Uh, it's, uh, you know, a lot of times you're making a charitable donation. Um, there's a little bit of letting go. And, and, I, and I, I really think that there's a whole lot more mileage for us working with donor advised funds. Um, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's something that I think is a real growth area for us. That's outstanding. Yeah, that's, that is, that is a good, I, I, the other thing, you know, there's so many different types of ways people can give. Um, are you, are you guys targeting, you know, I think the biggest challenge, the biggest challenge I see for, for organizations like yours is, is how you, how are you quantifying the impact you're making and things of that nature? Talk, talk about how, how, how do y'all deal with that at, at Outer Banks with, with all, especially because of you're so diversified in your geography and the needs of all the, the people that are in your space, your, your actual community. How do y'all how do y'all quantify what you're trying to do and 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 report that back to your board so you feel like you're making an impact? Well, for starters, I I, I like the word targeting mm -hmm. that you mentioned. Um, I don't think we've really targeted much. We we have, and I, and I don't think that that's unique to us. I think that when you get to a certain level uh, of endowment, um, you have this very luxurious position to do a good job, deliver a great product, and let people come to you. And when you know, when I was at Dare Arts and in my uh, professional uh, experience in business, you didn't have that luxury. You had to go out and get it. Mm -hmm. I think that we're probably going to be entering a period of time where we do have a chance to target. And I and I and I uh, I uh, I think it's it maybe maybe not the best word. Um, uh, because it, it might be impersonal, but really being um, intentional about reaching out to business leaders and letting them know about the opportunity, we have been relatively passive uh, in recent history, which is which is fine. Um, it, it has not failed us, but I do think that there's just this there's an opportunity that presents itself because of the incredible growth of the outer banks. And I'll give you an example. When we were in Winston-Salem, it's sort of, you know, you, you got a chance to meet all these folks from, you know, the Duke Foundation and other family foundations. There has, you know, been a massive accumulation of wealth over several centuries that has happened in central North Carolina. That has not happened on the Outer Banks. Yeah. You know, you rewind 100 years and, um, you know, people are going to school on horses, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know. So... Right now, when I mean, we've got two television shows about the Outer Banks now, there's this, there's never been a, uh, a more uh, a, a busier time right. for our visitor economy, and and we're seeing more folks who have the means to make a real difference in our community starting to come uh, and make the Outer Banks their home. In addition to the folks who've lived there for a long time, so I think there's a real opportunity to be a little bit more aggressive, but. How we measure our success, um, you know, there's, there's, I think there's kind of two metrics. One is that we just have to, we have to count, you know, 
we talk about how many dollars we've put back into our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's someplace in the 12 to $13 million in, in grants and scholarships. We do an annual report and we add it up and we do, you know, charts and graphs uh, to measure that success for our community, both the donors and the folks that we're serving. But in a real way, the second way you measure it is, is, is with interacting with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I have uh, I, I've had the good fortune of getting to know a, uh, a number of people who are in the the addiction space, and it is it is rough. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the with the you know the uh, the fentanyl era that yeah. we're in right now, it has really reached crisis levels. Luckily for our area, we have an amazing uh, nonprofit spun out of a task force in government called the Saving Lives Task Force. They bring together everybody uh, from every aspect of that sort of substance use, abuse, addiction um, tapestry. You know, there's people who are working on preventing, uh, uh, delaying first uh, onset of drug use. Mm-hmm. They're talking to families that have middle schoolers and trying to, you know, forestall forever yeah. or or delay that first uh, use. There are people who are working in the harm prevention. You've got people who are who are taking uh, substances that could potentially be life threatening, and trying to provide Narcan and fentanyl mm-hmm. test strips and things to sort of reduce the harm. Then you have a whole section of treatment organizations that are trying to treat people who are uh, addicted. Mm -hmm. And then there's another section that is recovery. Uh, And we provided a grant to this terrific duo of young um, behavioral health specialists uh, through the Saving Lives Task Force. And they're working on a lifestyle series where they're helping people who are in recovery court, Mm -hmm. which is an option. If you're arrested in Dare County for a drug offense, you it, under certain circumstances, you have the option to go into something called recovery court, mm-hmm. which is different, helps, you know, get you back on your feet rather than just punishing you. Mm-hmm. And they've established a working relationship with with uh, the judicial system where they provide uh, lessons on nutrition and balancing your bank account and just getting your lifestyle going. together, right. So that's how, you know, that it, it's not difficult to measure your success by the people you serve. Um, I, I mentioned addiction just because it's so top of mind, but you can go down the list. Sure. It's, it's arts and culture. It's uh, health and human services. It's disaster relief. It's education. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, we got to do both. We got yeah. to measure the dollars, but we also have to measure the impact that we have in people's lives. Chris, um, with something like uh... – not necessarily addiction, but I mean, there's there's these fantastic, uh, um, I mean, ways to give uh, across the region, and I guess what I'm what I'm curious about is is, is when you when you have an idea like that or, um, or or something else, what are some of the strategies that you employ as you're trying to you know raise capital for uh, for the foundation? Well, I, 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 I mean, do you, do you, are you thematic about it or, or, or is it just, a, I mean, do you lead with, with those individual sorts of causes or um, is it just a, a broad, the recognition that the community foundation is, is, is a valuable asset in the community? 
Well, as I mentioned, we really, are, I feel like are in a transition. And if I come back next year, I'll tell you how it's going. But mm, sure. at a transition of being relatively passive, uh, you know, letting letting donors come to us, being um, uh, having an excellent track record, so that that when folks approach us, we know that we can serve their needs. Um, to being a little more intentional and and reaching out to people because uh, we know that uh, we have something. We can do something. We're able to help with something uh, that's important to them. But to your question, I, I think that we have the the luxury of having all sorts of flavors. I mean, really, if you if you're into edu- you know, you care about education. Uh, we have funds. You can set up a fund specifically mm-hmm. to support educators. You could set up a scholarship fund if you if your passion is arts and culture. We have a number of opportunities to work with a donor on that. Um, you know, you can have, uh, and it's not just, it's not just the, you mentioned themes, um, not just the themes in terms of what the cause is, but also in how there's different, uh, products available. I hate using the word product, but it is, it is a bit of a product line. It's a really diverse one. But it, it, there's also um, the idea of do you want your funds endowed or do you want them not endowed? Do you want to have a charitable fund that you can spend down, uh, bring back up? Um, but I, I think that we end up you, – you, sort of, you sort of alluded to this in your question. I think we always start by sitting down with people and getting to know them. Mm-hmm. You know, just what is your passion? What, mm-hmm. First of all, what, where's your home? You know, right. and, and that's it. That's not where your house is. That's where your heart is. You know, what's your home? Is your home in, you know, your family or the arts? Um, some donors come to us wanting to teach the next generation about philanthropy. Mm-hmm. And they that this is a vehicle for that. But we start by getting to know who they are, what they care about. Um, and and it's, it's the best place to start because when an opportunity comes, you know that already. And I'll, I'll touch, you know, on a, on a completely different topic. Um, there's a donor that I just think the world of who, um, uh, set up a fund, uh, in memory of her, her late father, who was, uh, his name is, uh, General P X Kelly. He was the commandant of the, uh, Marine Corps in between first Bush and, um, and the Clinton administrations. And, uh, uh, I saw in the uh, I got a call from a um, a local uh, veterans advocate named Marsha Brown, and she said we've we've just got approved for something called the Wall That Heals. This is a full replica, three quarter size, I think, of the Vietnam oh, wow. Memorial, hmm. and it's a traveling exhibit. So it's an installation that goes from community to community. Very competitive. You have to apply. And they got it. Well, you know, be careful what you wish for. There's a price tag that comes along with it. It's not cheap. So she called and said, can you help uh, identify some donors that can help us? We've we've got a down payment that's due pretty soon. And so I thought of our donor. Before I could could call her, she called me. She She had seen it in the paper. And through her fund, she was able to help them launch this project. It's going to be on the Outer Banks in late November. 
And the cool thing about it, it's it's going to be open 24 hours a day. Oh, wow. So I fully intend uh, uh, to go out at 2 a.m. or something sure. where it's quiet and, and you know, mysterious yeah. and, you know, really feel that impact. But um, Where is it going to be or has it been announced? It is. It's going to be at the Outer Banks uh, uh, Event Center, which is a property that is um, managed by the Outer Banks Visitors, Visitors Bureau. It's uh, it's in Nags Head proper, but it's right before you get to South Nags Head. It's right before you get to that causeway. But it's it's that was just the best day when you can help connect somebody who really cares, who's identified with you, the thing that they're interested in the most, and then the opportunity just materializes, and they're able to step in at the right moment with the right uh, funding. Um, that's that's what makes the job fun. Yeah, I, I, one thing that's always been fascinating to me about about your foundation is because you're it was so isolated your community, and then you you became a resort town to a certain extent. I mean, so your your population pretty much doubles. I imagine I don't, I don't know what the actual numbers would be, but it, it gets pretty crowded down there in the summertime. But I bet it more than doubles. Yeah, I mean, but they're but they're they're only there a certain amount of time, and so right. from my from my observations, how you have energized your locals that live there to to come together to help 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 make change and make positive impacts with your community is a wonderful thing and, and the 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 diversity of what y'all have had to do i mean y'all, that some community foundations never have to deal with especially storms and things of that nature you are so far out there in the outer banks that um it's been money that's been put to good use in certain cases you, you just had to do it and other community foundations don't really have that challenge because they they don't have to. I mean, now and then a t- tornado might come play someplace, but you're out there exposed out there at the right. yeah tip, I, tip of I feel like that we do have a special relationship with nature. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's yeah. but but you know it's it's also the positive. You know, yeah. like that like there are, there's more interest in environmental. Uh, causes and and in socially responsible investing and investing in in um, funds that are uh, you know that that are divested of fossil fuels and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, uh, but uh, it, it's not it's not uh, completely unique to us. In fact, in the um, the first couple months that I was on board at the community foundation. Um, we got an, uh, you know, we helped share a message that the, the Community Foundation of Western North Carolina was sending out. Their uh, um, their leader uh, Elizabeth Brassus sent us uh, uh, messages about flooding that was happening right. out in in Western North Carolina. So it was around Waynesville and um, Canton and that area. Yeah, it was not. It was severe. Yeah, and and they needed help at that moment. And you know, you you routinely see. Nonprofit organizations and I'm certain community foundations in California when there are wildfires. So we've got brothers and sisters out there who have the same relationship with nature, maybe similar relationship mm-hmm. with with uh, acts of God and things like that. Um, but uh, ours won't ever end. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a permanent feature. It's it's just a question of when the next storm happens. And you've got a beautiful wood table that I'm going to knock on now. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that. Um, speaking of our, your brethren and the community foundation space in the state, you mentioned that you'd recently kind of been on a, a, a tour uh, to compare and contrast or just talk about what was going on you know maybe some of the common challenges but if, if you wouldn't mind i'd love to hear kind of what was bubbling up out there it sounded like a, i couldn't believe our good fortune when he mentioned before we started yeah. recording that he'd been doing this and he's, you, have, you went and visited every community foundation in the state of north carolina no no not, not quite but i oh, so, but i will say first i got to give credit to uh sarah mann wilcox uh whose office is right across the street from you guys mm-hmm. uh at north carolina uh, uh grant makers network um they do a wonderful job of bringing us all together and uh we have um a monthly call with all the folks who have my job throughout the state and i've gotten to know a lot of them uh my predecessor uh, was part of a, a group of sort of mid-sized, mm-hmm. smaller community mm-hmm. foundations that had it established a separate Zoom during COVID. It might have been before COVID. But um, uh, it, it's there's uh, there's about, uh, I think, six of us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Polk County, uh, uh, Davie Community Foundation, um, Shallow Ford, uh, Burke County, and Alamance. Mm-hmm. And all of the directors and CEOs of those, we get together, and it's it's just amazing. We we have a chance to share ideas, uh, heartaches, uh, documents, mm-hmm. you know, like best practices, mm-hmm. things like that. And they got, and they've all gotten to be my friends. So yeah, yeah last summer, um, uh, my wife and I hit the road, and uh, we great. drove to Charlotte, and we you know visited most of those folks. Um, and uh, Gavin Stevens at Alamance yep, actually came friend. came down to the Outer Banks. Mm-hmm. So we so over the course of about a two week period, I got a chance to see each one of them in person, which after COVID was just yeah, such a, sure. a gift. Yeah, you know we'd all been cloistered, and uh, and to to meet them face to face was really nice. And then that was last summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all got together for dinner in Winston Salem uh, at the end of February, and so our, our staffs got a chance to meet as well. Right. But we're all in it together. I mean, it really is a really great tight knit, uh, tight knit community. Sure. Um, one, th- I, one, I don't want to keep you here all morning, but I, I did. I had one or two things I wanted to get to. Bill, do you have something teed up, or can I ask my question? No, about, please, please go sure. ahead. Sure. I, I just I mean, just serving on a few boards here in town. You know, um, community not community foundations, but local uh, philanthropic boards. Uh, it's been. Apparent to me, you know, just how the effects of the pandemic, you know, have really exacerbated, um, you know, the, the need for funding in, in a lot of uh, a lot of the nonprofit landscape, and you know, at a, at a foundation, you have this unique challenge, and, and we like to call it, you know, protecting the future from the present, because there's always going to be valid claims and, and incredibly useful um, things to do with funds. You know, talk about your process of of. Of, you know how you manage the the flow of need and and how you go about preserving um, you know uh, what you can in order to maintain your future. Well, there there are yeah a number of things that are important to us that that I think help us with both the present tense and the future. And I think the the number one thing is we don't do fundraising events. Mm-hmm. It's and I think it's really important. I don't think we plan on doing it anytime soon. There are so many organizations that we try to support through grant making, 
but also through uh, educational experiences, um, uh, convening different groups to help uh, connect people and share common cause. But um, you're right, uh, you know, you know, uh, making sure that both the present tense is taken care of because there's an immediate need and also the future. The fortunate part for us especially, but I think for the United States in general, is that we just, as as a country, are so wealthy in comparison to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. There are other uh, nations that have, uh, you know, uh, you know, high high net worth. If you're thinking about it in those terms, but uh, on the Outer Banks, the, you know, you, you look at the, our region, and there's a lot of need, and there's there's not uh, as many resources in our surrounding counties like Mainland Hyde County, Terrell County. Sure. Uh, Camden County, Currituck County. Um, so we're trying to be more, you know, think more regionally. Um, but uh, it's a fine line. You know, we're, we're, I'm, I'm working with nonprofit leaders in my community and we're trying to support them. But at the same time, in a lot of ways, we're talking to the same donors. And I think there is a, I think a, an erroneous assumption that there's a, a finite number of philanthropic dollars in our area. Um, I, I just think when you see how our area has grown and we're attracting more and more people from all all over the United States to have second homes, to be part-time residents, and sometimes it's a transition to becoming a full-time resident, we're just seeing more and more wealth. We're seeing more people who care and want to make a difference. Um, so, um, what we offer is the opportunity to establish a legacy. We do have non-endowed funds that help bring dollars directly to bear, but really that's our, that's our, our calling card is help establish a legacy for the future through an endowment that will always be the, the primary part of our DNA, but it's a challenge. Um, you don't want to step on someone's toes, but you know, uh, we're, we're, in, we're involved in a lot of different causes, a lot of different challenges our community faces, but so are a lot of other people. And, and you know, as we got more involved in convening and trying to bring people together or go where they had already aggregated, you know, uh, the, I mentioned the Saving Lives Task Force. Mm-hmm. You know, when we started getting involved with them, we went with our hat in our hand. We weren't pretending that, oh, well, the community foundation is now involved. So, you know, y'all, you know, mm-hmm. we're here to save the day. We went to learn. We went right. to uh, try and understand the issue. Uh, and that's true with all sorts of causes. I mean, uh, just one that just kind of popped into our radar because of a donor is pedestrian and bicycle safety. We had a donor that one of our one of our people met at uh, was on vacation. They're, they lost their their daughter, Emily Fredericks, to a traffic crash, their family from the Philadelphia area. And um, they had they had dedicated the rest of their lives to that issue, that cause, and hmm. just got educated themselves, connected. And so they were regular visitors to the Outer Banks, and they established a small fund, but it gave us a toehold on an important issue. I don't know where it's going to go, but I know it's we're going to be concerned with it. Um, so it's... You know, I'll go back to your question. It's not always easy, but we got to fearlessly go there. Right. Excellent. 
Bill, do you have anything else you want to cover? Not really, other than other than the fact that I just I salute Chris and gosh, I would be remiss if I I've, I know so many people involved with your foundation, the Mike Kellys of the world, the Ray Whites, the Barbara Binghams, who was your predecessor, um, gosh, Skipper Hines, Dorothy Hester, all these people. You've, you've got such a wonderful group of people that have made made a difference in your community, and I just wish you continued success with what you're what you're doing and and good luck with how you manage the growth because there is there you, that that area is really taken off and there's going to be more wealth and people that, that want to contribute and and i wish you continued success with with how you make an impact on your community so. well thanks i appreciate that and and you mentioned the fact that trust company of the south has been our um uh ocio for 20 years and so it's been it, it it's not lost on all of us the the dedication that you've had to our community. Well, thank you. Uh, and we're um, I'm happy to be here today. I'm I'm happy to that we get a chance to continue the relationship because um, y'all have been the managers of the biggest reservoir of philanthropic funds in Outer Banks history, and and wow. that's not lost on us. And so thank you for that, and and thanks for the invitation to to speak with you guys today. Well, Bill, we didn't even have to give him a script. That was fantastic. <laughs> I know. Thank you very much, Chris. Unprompted. <laughs> Thank you. And listen, thanks again for being here. This of course. is yeah. really our pleasure. Of course. Yeah, this is great. Well, great seeing you. Hope to see you soon. Thank you. Thanks again, Chris. Thank you for listening to Trust Company Talks. These opinions are intended as entertainment. Any opinions expressed on this podcast by Bill Noble, Burke Coons, or anyone else are not necessarily those of Trust Company of the South. There is no guarantee that these statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be accurate. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision and does not constitute a recommendation. These materials are not intended to be tax or legal advice. Readers are encouraged to consult their own legal tax and investment advisor before implementing any financial strategy.